0: Welcome listeners to the Sequoia Breeze podcast, a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio, and I am so excited that you have decided to join us today. And I hope that you will stick around to the end when I have an exciting announcement about an opportunity available to Sequoia Grove families. I am joined by Kelly Soper in the podcast booth today to talk about math. Kelly is an HST with Clarksville, but she actually has another job. And I'm going to let you explain that because I'm going to get it wrong. Of course. Um, the last two years, I was
1: an eighth grade teacher with the junior high virtual academy. And then when they moved to, uh, to partner with the high school program, um, I stayed with the TK through eighth grade adventure academy. So I'm still working with the middle school age, which is where my experience lies and still doing math. So, but now I have fifth through eighth grade mostly. Um, I'm teaching math, Minecraft, Google. I'm developing a PE class. So lots
0: of fun things coming nice. up. That's yeah. a really fun lineup of classes. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about you. Who, are you a homeschool parent? How many kids do you have?
1: Yeah, um, I have two boys. I started homeschooling when my oldest was going into kindergarten. I, um... Just didn't want to pass them off to somebody else, and as a teacher myself, I'm like, I can do this. So, mm-hmm. um, I was working at a virtual high school at the time, so it was easy for me to just keep him home and do it. Then, um, so yeah, we've we've had a great a uh, great ride of it. He's going into eighth grade now, and my youngest is going into six.
0: Nice. So, right at your specialty age. Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your math background. Most people shy away from math when they can, but you've embraced it. Yeah, you know,
1: I wasn't a huge math person growing up. Um but I did, I mean, math came easy to me and I loved My mom would buy me logic puzzle books, like workbooks and stuff, uh-huh. and I would just sit and solve logic puzzles. I just loved it. I loved the puzzle, the trying to problem solve aspect of that. Um, And then I got up to calculus in high school and then I never really did anything more with high school or with math in college. And then when I was graduating college, I'm trying to figure out what am I doing with my life? And there was this opportunity to in Los Angeles to become a teacher and you actually start right away and get your credential while you're there. So I started as a math and science sixth grade teacher And so I did that for on and off for eight years. And then I moved to the online high school. And then when my youngest uh, went into kindergarten is when I started becoming a homeschool teacher. Okay. Yeah. So I started working with his school. And then that's when I went back into teaching math or math type subjects to the middle school age. Okay. Yeah. So I've been doing that for a few years now.
0: So you have some wisdom to share with us today, and I'm Hopefully. really excited about that. <laughs> so let's start at the very beginning. What advice thoughts do you have for parents with the littler kids, the TKK first grade? What advice would you give them as many are often a little at odds of I don't know where to start. I don't know what curriculum to buy, how do I do this? And if they're at the beginning of their homeschool journey, may still have a lot of pictures of public school math in their heads.
1: Oh, yeah. When my son started kindergarten, I had been a teacher for many years, right? So I came into it with a teacher mindset. And we actually did start with a curriculum. It was, um, I want to say it was a Singapore-type book. Um, But there was lots of pictures, lots of drawing circles, you know, things like that, which he actually enjoyed. Um, But... uh, we just, I don't know, i we didn't stick with a curriculum. <laughs> I found it easier to actually just look at a list of what they need to learn. So for our schools, we have the I can statements, which in the early grades are very clear, exactly what they need to know. And I find just incorporating it in our daily life was really the easiest. And um, for the young age, they don't want to sit at a table, right? That's just... That's too restricting for them. They want to be up. They want to be moving. A lot of them want to be talking, right? They want your attention. That's a big thing is, is you know, I want mom or dad's attention. So we just did a lot of math, you know, outside, counting rocks, collecting sticks, look, looking for shapes, driving in the car. I can't even think of an example. But things would just pop up just spontaneously and we'd have a conversation about Something, you know, the shapes or the, oh, look, that's an eight sided figure. Hey, do you remember what that was called? You know, um, can you think of any other things that have those shapes? Mm -hmm. Just natural conversations Mm -hmm. that really worked the best for me and my boys. I still find I occasionally struggle with like wanting to be strict teacher. But then there's also another part of me that's very like unschooly type as well. (laughs) So there's they're always at odds. But I think for the for the younger kids, they really just like being up doing things and and talking.
0: It sounds like that method for math it's a lot more fun, perhaps there's no like get it done, keep writing, keep going, you're just having fun and oh, having a yeah. conversation.
1: And, and if you're talking to them, you can see that they understand the material. So why have them do it 10 times over? You mm-hmm. know, like they do in a lot of curriculums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, if you can tell me that you understand it, then great. Maybe, well, not maybe, definitely, I would bring it up again at some point down the line. Because it's so easy for us to, like, know something. And then if you don't revisit it, it's easy to forget that thing. Right. I think that's true for right. all people. Mm-hmm. So revisit things. That's, that's the great thing about math. And, and curriculums do do that. They'll revisit the math every year so mm-hmm. that you don't forget um, and then grow and develop. But especially at the younger ages, I don't know if curriculums really that
0: important. Well, and you were talking to me before we started recording about how abstract math oh, can be yeah. and that when kids are little, they don't always have the brain development. For that, talk to us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I keep going back to this class I took in college about lifespan psychology. You know, talking about how the brain develops, and you can't expect kids at certain ages to be able to handle abstract or sarcasm. You know, there's Mm. a bunch of different things. You know, Mm -hmm. they just can't understand those things until their brain gets there, right? So if you keep forcing these things on them, you're just going to make them miserable. You're mm-hmm. going to make them feel like they're failures because they don't get it, right? And even if you're not trying to do that, they internalize that, you know? So yeah, I, I what I did is with my oldest, he's a language kid. He loves words. He loves reading. He's writing a book right now <laughs> outside as we speak. <laughs> And so math wasn't as easy for him. So like we were in second grade trying to tackle subtraction Mm. and he would just end up in tears. And I'd be like, okay, we'll stop. We'll take a break. That's totally fine. Um, I might occasionally uh, talk about subtraction while we're walking and doing things just to kind of keep it fresh in his brain. And then I might re- revisit it in, say, two months, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'd see that, okay, his brain is developing. He's starting to get it a mm-hmm. little better. And then I might push a little bit more. But then if he if he pu- pushed back, I might back off a little bit. So it's kind of this give and take, right? And you're not talking
0: about doing no math for t- for two no, months. No, not you're at You're talking all. about giving subtraction a break. break. Exactly. While you're <laughs> focusing on a lot of yeah. other aspects yeah, yeah. Of, of math. And, and. Going
1: back to the abstract comment, like if you think about what math is, like prehistorically, we had rocks, and you know, I've got two rocks here. I'm going to give you two rocks, and you give me that one bowl of fruit. Or I guess they <laughs> didn't have bowls, but you know what I mean. Um, and they had physical objects to look at, and you know, bartering in history. And now we're using, you know, numbers, which are very abstract. It's just this squiggle. It's the shape that represents one or represents two. And a lot of kids just aren't ready for that until maybe second grade. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's okay to not push it. It's okay to give them
0: some space. And we may come back to this because it's um, it's such a a broad idea to cover a lot of different pieces of math. But... The other part of math that I've myself been learning in the last year or so is we focus a lot in math on the computation part, understanding what those squiggles that mean two and three are and how to add them and subtract them and multiply them. And yet there's a lot of math. I, I heard the percentage once and it was way more. That is not the computation part. It's the logic mm-hmm. part. It's the logic of being able to see how things work together and the logic you can be working on yeah,
1: with the little kids. (laughs) And finding patterns, right? Mm -hmm. Patterns, I think a lot of people overlook the importance of finding patterns, making patterns. And yeah, it's super important because when you get to the high school or higher levels of math, that's what it is. You're looking for those patterns and you're logically trying to figure out how to move these numbers around to get to an answer. So if you don't have that pattern, the ability to think in patterns or see patterns and the logic, then it makes it harder to do those higher level math.
0: So if your child is not yet ready to do subtraction and addition and understand those symbols and what they mean, you can still be doing math with patterns and shapes and logic and all these other things that will give them a really solid foundation for what's coming.
1: And at that age, at the younger ages, I mean, even just telling time that cause that's patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Money. I mean, it's amazing. I still, to this day with my middle schoolers, when I'm working on say decimals, they don't get it. But then when I put it into money, they're like, Oh yeah. Like, especially <laughs> like positive and negative numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Like they get so stuck on that concept. But I said, okay, but so let's say that you owe me $20, Okay, how much do you have? Well, I don't have the twenty dollars, but and you owe me, so when you get the twenty dollars, you're going to have to give it to me, right? So you're negative twenty dollars. And when you start talking about math, they're like, oh, you know, they get it, right? So that's a huge thing to work with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, here is a dollar. You want to go buy that piece of gum, or mm-hmm. I don't know, things are co- cost a lot more I than a dollar <laughs> these days. I was going to say buy a candy bar, but candy bars are like $1.50 now. Um, You know, you give them and then Mm -hmm. they have to figure, okay, this is what I have. How much will I have left over? You know, and Mm -hmm. then actually go buy it and make sure the person gave you the right change. You know, all those things you can easily do. Mm
0: -hmm. Getting a little more broad than just the little, the littler kids. If you were talking to a new family who was just beginning to homeschool and they're saying, I don't know where to start. And, you know, could be at multiple ages. What would your advice be? That's a good question. Um,
1: I'm, I'm assuming that if you have older kids, you might be coming from a traditional school setting, right? So it's, I think it's always a good idea to kind of take an inventory to see what your child truly understands. Mm. Because just because they went through fourth grade in a school, do they actually really understand all the material that was covered? Right. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, start with the basics. You can even go through the I can statements at a younger age and be like, okay, let's work through these and see what do you understand and what do you not understand. So that's one option. There are a lot of curriculums that do uh, like Mm -hmm. pre-assessments. Like I know the Singapore one that I was looking at, uh, they have a pre-assessment for every book. So you can take the book. take the assessment to see if you're ready for that book. I know there's a ton out there.
0: I know Khan Academy is free and online and you can, they even recommend if you want to use there that you start at the very beginning and take every test. You don't have to go through all the curriculum, but go through it, take each test until you get to a point where you're not passing those tests anymore. Exactly. And that's where you should start Mm -hmm. even regardless of what the grade level is. One of the things I love about a lot of homeschool curriculum is that there isn't a grade number assigned Mm -hmm. to it. And so if you find that your child is in fourth grade but isn't testing up at a fourth grade level, you might be able to choose some materials that don't necessarily have a giant two or three written on them yeah, to make your child exactly. feel bad. They they often will have, um, some of them have Greek letters or they've got multiple or it's the level three, it's not grade three. So there's lots of ways to address, it. because the most important thing is that they learn the material, yeah. not that they yeah. stay on this grade level where they're supposed to be. because that's just going to lead to frustration. Exactly. For everybody.
1: And there's so many free resources out there. Like if you see that your child needs practice adding and subtracting decimals, right? You, there's so much free Mm -hmm. information, not only just Khan Academy, but I mean, you just do a Google search and there's so much out there. You Mm -hmm. can make free worksheets and you can just work on that one skill until you know they've mastered it. And then Mm -hmm. you can move on to multiplying and dividing decimals, which is a little trickier, right? Because you got to move those decimals around (laughs) and work on that until they get it. And if they get frustrated, back off a little bit, maybe take a break and go on to another topic for for a while and then come back to it. Um, Or find different ways to approach it. Nowadays with YouTube, there are so many amazing videos that people have made that um, address the same math concept from so many different angles right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: which I think is so valuable so like if you have a student that was in a traditional school and they just maybe they grew to not like math I, it's not because they're not a math person it's because they just didn't have a good experience with it right so find a different way to approach the math I know a lot of people are like well that's not the way I did math as a kid And I get it, it's a little uncomfortable to learn how to do math a new way, but there are so many different ways to do math. Mm -hmm. Even just like multiplying a multi digit number, you have your traditional, you know, you start with the number in the ones place and you multiply up and then across, you know, and over, and then you go to the number in the tens place and you carry and you have your placeholders. You know, that's the way we all learned when we were younger. But there are you can do them in tables. You can do them in graphs. You can do them by just taking the number in the ones place and multiplying it and putting that number down below. Uh, I'd have to show you an example. But <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many amazing ways to approach math. And I would say reach out of your comfort level as a parent and be willing to, to approach math in a different way and uh, try to find other ways because there's a lot of visual, there's a lot of hands-on ways Mm -hmm. to do math that might be better for
0: your student. One lesson that's been hard for me to learn as a homeschool parent, and I'm finally coming around to it, is that (laughs) sometimes getting the lesson done isn't important. Hmm. Sometimes wrestling with the one problem, the one concept, and really digging deep together and getting through that that's that's enough. You know, by yeah. the time you've spent a half an hour, which I just did with my daughter the other day trying to get this one thing stop. It's yeah. not she can finish the lesson tomorrow or try to finish the lesson yeah. tomorrow and, you know, as the parent, I've got to make sure that she's not falling behind, but the the lessons we learned within that half hour of wrestling with that one problem were I could actually list out several things she learned from the method she was using to, you know, on a whiteboard of erasing the work she'd already done. And now we found a mistake and we have to redo it all because Uh, she took it away, you know, (laughs) 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 to, um, being willing to go back to a a, a previous lesson and review it. How did they do it? And what are you missing now? And there's so many different pieces of the work she was doing that she learned that were beyond just getting 20 problems done, that it's just time to stop. And I love to check off boxes and get it done and move <laughs> on. And so it was really hard for me to come around to this lesson, but I've been learning how really important it is, um, to not give my kid a really bad math experience of yeah. beating him over yeah. the head. With oh, it. totally.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and to kind of build on that, um, if you're a person who doesn't enjoy math, don't try not to put that on your child. <laughs> you know, I'm not no, saying teach you it. oh no, I know.
0: <laughs> but I think we do that as parents. We don't realize that we're teaching our kids to hate math because we're talking about it negatively and oh god we, this math is just killing me trying to le- relearn it to teach my kids and they're hearing that whole yeah, conversation. Yeah. They are hearing math is not something to enjoy. Math is something to hate. Yeah. to cry about. And math especially when you get to the
1: older age the older levels, you know, like People always ask, well, what am I going to use calculus for? Why why do I need to take this class? I mean, obviously, if you're going into science and ma- and, and a math mm-hmm. field, then obviously you would need it for your job. But what it really does is it teaches you problem solving, just like you were talking about, right? Like you are confronted with a problem and you stop and take a breath and be like, okay, how can we solve this, right? Right. Maybe you don't know the official next steps, but you know other things that you can do to solve it. You know, well, let's try this, okay? It's okay if it doesn't work. You know it doesn't work, right? And you're trying it, so let's try something else. Problem solving is so valuable in our daily life. And if you can't, if you can't handle, you know, like if you're confronted with a problem And you just kind of melt down, you know, like that's not going to get you anywhere in life, you know. So math, especially higher level math, doesn't necessarily teach you, you know.
0: It's not about the computation.
1: Exactly. It's about solving a problem, you know, and and not giving up, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: And I think sometimes even following the rules, like (laughs) rules have a place and they're there for a reason. And if you can follow some of those, sometimes you get to be creative and sometimes you just need to follow the path that's been set out.
1: Well, and you know what, speaking of rules though, like, I don't know. I, if I don't use something frequently enough, I will forget those little details. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I was doing a lesson with my eighth graders last year and um, it was like, seven to the third power over eight to the fifth power, right? This is basic. I can do this one in my head, but, um, I for, I was forgetting the rule. Like, do you do three that you do? You take the exponent and do three minus five, or is it three divided by five? I don't know. I forgot the rule. So let's write it out. Well, Seven to the third power is seven times seven times seven. And then seven to the fifth power, you write it out five times. Well, then you can cancel out the three and what are you left? Oh, so it is, you know, and then you can kind of figure out the rule that way. Mm -hmm. So rules are valuable. But if you forget the
0: rule, just don't stop. Figure out what the rule Mm -hmm. is, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So maybe we've already covered this a little bit, but let's expand a bit on what do you wish that homeschool parents did differently about math or understood about the process of learning math? I think the biggest takeaway
1: I have is not to make math like drudgery, you know, um, math has its purpose in everyday life. And obviously we need to learn that. Um, but beyond that, try to make it as fun as possible, you know, um, doing 20 problems in a workbook can get dry and boring for a child. For some, I bet you there's some kids that love it. They're like, "Ooh, give me those problems. I love doing it. You know, we're all different. (laughs) But maybe doing 50 problems on a video game version of math would be fun because they're trying to beat their sibling or their parent or, you know, just be better themselves. So, you know, Nobody knows our kids better than we do, right? We know our kids better. That's part of the reason why we homeschool, right? We can give them a education that is specific to that child. So if they really like math workbooks, great, do that. You know, that's going to fulfill that child's needs. If not, if you have a squirrely little boy who loves math but hates just repetitively writing out problems, give him a different way to do that math. You know, um, I, I've been using math playground recently with my kids and it's, it covers up to sixth grade math, but it does do pre-algebra. So it would cover up to an eighth grade. It, you know, or any kid really that's still doing pre-algebra. Right. Um, but it's just, it's games. It's, that's all it is is video games, but it has you practice. So I did this with my class earlier this week and um, we were just practicing addition and subtraction but it was um, three digits in, you know, written out horizontally and they had a little bit of time pressure which I don't always recommend. I don't think you should do math. Um, you should put pressure on kids to do it quickly. If they get there, then that's awesome. Don't force them. But if they don't mind like... Uh yeah, like my youngest son, he's he loves video games, right? So he doesn't mind a little bit of that time pressure. So it was really good to just get in and practice the addition and subtraction in a very quick way, you know, trying to, oh, all those cancel out. That's that, you know, and then, you know,
0: um, just fun practice. Awesome. What if a student is struggling? What if a parent is really worried that they're not close to grade level? We're not talking about just, oh, we've missed a couple concepts here and there, but they feel like their child is really not getting it. At what point should a parent begin to worry or seek help for that? What could they do to help their student be more motivated to continue learning? I think a lot of times
1: kids will internalize um, a discomfort for trying hard things mm-hmm. and not being able to succeed right away. Um, and then that kind of gives, like, it almost builds this wall to moving forward or trying something new. I would say with those types of kids, you just back up a little bit, you know, give them things that are easier, that they can feel successful with.
0: And celebrate those successes. And
1: celebrate, yeah. And get them to, you know, try to get them to a point where they can kind of bring that wall down or at least, you know put some poke some holes in it so you can try to get them you mm-hmm. know moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there does come a point where you might need to reach out and ask for assistance um, intervention. We have intervention services to tackle some of the more basic math. Um, and then you know we have we have our special ed department. If they're really struggling, then mm-hmm. that would be something that you might want to talk to your HST about. But I think on your end, what you would, what I would do is I would just back up a little bit, you know, back up, make them feel successful in something um, smaller. Now, that being said, and I haven't actually tried this, but I have also read the idea where, let's say you have a sixth grader that is just fighting you on the material in sixth grade. It starts getting harder in sixth grade. You're using decimals and percents and fractions and tying that all together. Um, There's a lot more statistics in that year, and everything just kind of builds, and it just gets harder. Um, So I've heard, again, as I said, I haven't tried this. I was presented with the idea that um, if someone is fighting you on a math topic and what you could do is then present them with something actually harder so if you have a student um, an intelligent student that just doesn't want to do it right they're just fighting you on it but you but you know they could probably handle it try giving them something harder to challenge them and then they might have to work a little backwards to to understand the material they're doing but they will be more challenged and it'll move them forward that's
0: so instead of just trying to get through problems that are kind of boring or not that interesting they're suddenly have a problem to solve and they might need to even go investigate a little bit themselves to figure out how to solve exactly. this problem so for a certain group of kids yeah um that might be more motivating to try and like prove hey i can figure this out yeah, exactly. instead of just i don't want to do my homework <laughs> yeah exactly
1: yeah yeah Yeah, you you often hear about those kids in a traditional school setting that they fail a class, but like they're really the smartest kid. Uh They just they're bored, Mm -hmm. right? Right,
0: right. And if they just don't have the skills to do the sixth grade math, and you go back up, yeah, exactly to the fourth grade level or wherever they're at, give them confidence, yes, and rebuild up to it.
1: And then and then we did talk earlier about once a student gets to high school. The requirement is to take two years of math in high school, and one of them has to be algebra. So if you have a student that really just struggles with math, then just know that algebra is your target, right? You just need to get through algebra. So even if it takes multiple years to get to that point, they're not doing algebra till 11th grade. That is totally fine. You know, if it takes extra time to work through the skills and they're working on, you know, quote unquote, eighth grade math in 10th grade, that is okay. As long as they are making progress forward and you're giving it a regular effort, you know, like you can't just say, well, I'm not going to do math and then don't do math for six months. You know, that's not going to get them anywhere. But as long as you're making daily or regular effort towards completing that goal of getting to algebra some point in high school they can they can take pre-algebra in high school they can take um not for math credit but they can take uh, other math courses that count as electives that helps support them Mm -hmm. so if you have a struggling student and let's say they get to algebra in 11th grade you can also enroll them in a math elective that just gives them extra support. Um, you know, if they're just spending so much time trying to get through the algebra, you can give them that math elective to also get them credit for the extra time they're mm-hmm. working on the algebra. <laughs> mm-hmm. So,
0: so they need, if you're worried about a struggling student, part of the process of evaluating what the need is, is. Where do I think this kid's going to go? Do we just need to graduate high school with the minimum requirements? And for some kids, that's fine. That's a great goal. And so now you can take the pressure off of sixth grade because it's okay if we don't actually finish sixth grade math until seventh grade because we have time to work on this. And we have time to um, work, make sure that concepts are truly understood and that our relationship isn't falling apart because we're trying, fighting to get through this math
1: And you bring up a very important point is relationships. Your kid, your student is not going to want to work with you or listen to you if you don't have that relationship, right? Like the relationship is probably one of the most important things. My child, (laughs) it's the sweetest thing. It like almost makes me tear. Every time he gets frustrated with math, he's like, mom, I need your help. So I go and sit next to him and and then we work through the problems and we get through it. And he's like, mom, just you being next to me, I feel like you just give me this positive math energy. Like I could just do it just because <laughs> you're sitting next to me. <laughs> and I did. And most of the time I don't really even do anything. I might just point out one little thing, like, you know, just a little reminder. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, do this. And and then from there they, they, they've got it. Um, and so I really think relationships are the most important thing. Don't let struggling in math ruin your relationship with your child. Um, And if it gets to the point where there is a struggle, maybe pull out an outside resource. It is okay in homeschooling to use outside resources, right? You're not saying that as a homeschool parent, I'm going to teach them everything. You are saying, I'm going to choose how my child learns this material, Mm -hmm. right? So find a tutor, find an outside class, you know, either something in the school or something outside of the school. There's so many math resources out there. So you struggle with your relationship or you just feel maybe you do feel you have a hard time not putting in the negative math energy, you know, like (laughs) you struggle with the math and you just have a hard time not giving that energy to your child. It's okay to find other sources to help you out with Mm -hmm. math for sure.
0: Do you have some fun examples of how you make math fun in your classes? Math isn't always fun. Sometimes it's work, but at least interesting. (laughs) Well, I try to
1: get the kids to see the fun in problem solving, Mm -hmm. Um, which sometimes it's not. Sometimes it can be frustrating. (laughs) So when I was teaching JHVA last year, I would try to give them lots of uh, puzzles or problems to solve. So we would start our uh, class off with, um, there's a curriculum provider called the Critical Thinking Company, and they make the most amazing puzzle and logic books. Um, They cover all the subjects, but I love the ones that they have for math. And so we would start our JHVA class with one called Balance Math. And so it's a balance, and then it's a bunch of shapes on this balance. And they would throw they would show you three different balances with different shapes and you would have to figure out the final answer. What we would do is just, you know, I would just, what do you see? What do you notice? Well, I see this and this. Okay. Well, do you think that can help us? No. Okay. Well, what else, what else can we do? You know, like someone would throw out an idea and maybe it wasn't going to help us, but I praise them for observing that thing. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the joy of being, I mean, I think math is really best with a group of people also yeah. because you can talk about those things and problem solve and bounce ideas off each other. So I, I personally had a lot of fun starting my classes off with that mm-hmm. because it's just, you know, like, yes, oh, yeah. that And sometimes I totally would not see it at all. I mm-hmm. would not see how you got from A to B to C to D. But the kids would see it, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh! I didn't even see that. That's amazing, right?" So um, it was just the joy of the problem solving as a group, as a team, and and I really think it be, it comes down to that. Is what I enjoy in my classes, particularly, is talking about math and getting other people's views on it. Like, what do you see in this pattern? Okay, great. You know, and and talking about it,
0: and then, oh, I didn't even see that. One thing. I've tried to do some is I've discovered in the last couple of years, the world of math read alouds that mm. there are the books that either talk about a concept of money or my kids love bedtime math. Oh yeah. And it's hard because they don't go up to the level where my girls are in, but they still want to participate. They want to solve the the little questions and problems, but they're, they're, they're simple for them. But my boys can still do those and, you know, read a simple little problem. And then there's different questions for different levels. And, um, so doing those together because we're doing little puzzles and reading little books about, about math. And I think that helps take, um, I talk a lot in orientations for new parents and stuff about taking the walls off of school. It kind of helps Take the walls off of math like you, you can read a book and mm-hmm. it can be really fun about math. It doesn't have to be sitting down doing a workbook.
1: There are so many books out there these days that cover so many different math topics. I mean, and I'm sure the libraries we have here at the schools have a good chunk mm-hmm. of them. Um, but yeah, if you have more of a language mm-hmm. type student, then read them math, you mm-hmm. know. And
0: mm-hmm. Kelly, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we...
1: Yeah, kind of uh, a little bit of building on the last topic there. I am a huge fan of a Stanford professor called her name is Joe Bowler. And she runs a website called uh Ucubed. But in many of her professional developments I've been through, she talks all the time about when when you get to higher level math. And I mean like college university, you know, PhD candidates level math. Nobody does math by themselves. It's a group of people talking about math and problem solving. Like math is not easy, even for those people. Granted, they're working on much higher level types of math, but they work as teams and, and, and really work through the problem solving aspect of it. Right. Um, And so, Obviously, we need to know the basics. We need to know our arithmetic. We need to know how to convert decimals into fractions and percents. You know that, that that's daily math that we need. Everybody uses. And then once you get to algebra, you get into slightly more abstract types of math. But but it's the problem solving. It's really the problem solving that is pre- present in all of math, um, no matter what age, what level you get to. And so working on that a lot. I think is, is helpful and hitting a wall is not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. right? Just take a deep breath. Like, okay, we'll back up. We're going to problem solve here. That is okay. You know, I, I think kids get frustrated and so they have a hard time seeing that. But if you can teach them that it's okay, just take a deep breath. We can handle this. We'll do this together because honestly, math, especially in the higher levels, is not really intended to be done alone.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. Perhaps illustrating why your son feels like he can do math just with you nearby. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's a, maybe it, we think of it as a, a very individual, put your blinkers on, sit and focus, and yet maybe it should be more social. Than yeah, yeah, far. exactly. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that our listeners will find lots of great resources and ideas and encouragement and the things that you have shared with us today. And I will be putting the links in the show notes for all of the various things that Kelly mentioned throughout our conversation. So you can always go there and find those um, books and curriculum that were mentioned. Tell us. What do you love about homeschooling? Hi, my name's Amy, and some of the things I like about homeschooling are um, all the books I get to read, and um, I get to be part of some drama groups and do acting and have a lot of fun time.
1: My name is Madison. I homeschool grades 2nd, 3rd, 6th, and 8th. What I like about homeschooling is I love being with my kids all day and I love seeing them learn. And I love knowing what they're learning and uh, being very
0: involved in that. Before we go today, Sequoia Grove families, if you are listening to this episode in October of 2022, then you are in luck because there is a great opportunity available to you. Our schools are going to be hosting a series of family math festivals from October 24th through the 27th. There will be a festival offered in Chico, Roseville, Folsom, and Elk Grove. So you are encouraged to attend whichever location and date would work best for you and your family. This event will provide lots of hands-on games and activities for all of your students. What a great opportunity to explore some new ways of playing and solving problems with math in a fun and social environment. We Family Liaisons will also be there to chat with you and to help you browse math curriculum and resources for some new and fresh ideas. We'd love to meet up with you. We love talking to families and getting to know you. Registration is recommended but not required. If you'd like to sign up in advance, head on over to Sequoia Sign Up. The math festival is listed under other events. So pick a date and come on out to one of the math festivals the last week in October. Whenever we get our Sequoia Grove community together, we all have a great time, get to know new people and find other like-minded families. We'd love to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us for this fun episode of The Sequoia Breeze. I hope that you found it to be a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. As always, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at podcasts at sequoiagrove.org.